Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast. My name is Sonny, and I'm here recording with Caleb. What's going on, dude? Nothing much at the moment. I heard that. Well, we are still doing remote recordings. We are... um, It's a certain amount of being worried about Corona as a whole, and then a certain amount of my son's daycare shut down right now because of possible uh one of the kids has uh tested positive and we won't want to take no chances until my son is showing no symptoms and things like that so um in the meantime this either will be our last remote recording or maybe like one more as long as there's like no symptoms anything like that and my son for sure doesn't have it so oh yeah oh yeah i mean it's been how many days at this point um today is five and he's still like no symptoms at all full go all the all the way i mean he's four what do you expect <laughs> true true so. a meteor could fall on him and as long as you don't react he would just get back up just see me daddy and just keep running pretty much he is at that age where every time he falls my wife will go ah! and i'm just like i look at him like you good he's like he look at me and go <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, all right, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's, that, that's your boy. <laughs> oh, man. You good, son? I'm good, Dad. All right. All right, get back out there. Let's go. That's it. 
So we do have a little bit to talk about today. We have some pretty cool stuff. Um, we have an interview with Dylan, who is actually a returning guest to the podcast. Um, now, the interview is a little weird. Um, this episode today, you'll hear the beginning part of the episode is me and Caleb uh, with our normal episode with our normal breakdown and the new and then there were the interview i did with dylan last night caleb by the time we got back caleb was already way asleep it was like two o'clock in the morning or something crazy late so so i was not a part of that interview which is it's fine we went ahead and recorded and uh we're just gonna splice the interview in if that's if that's okay with everybody listening if you have a problem with it you can come catch these hands (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I was just going to pretend like I was there the entire time. Yeah, Caleb comes in at the end. Wow, that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so first, uh, to start with, uh, we have some somber news. As the Shark Strike Cyber Strike has been pushed back from October 8th to the 15th. Oh, it's new at this point. I know, right? And the 2021 Ten of Battles has been pushed back from September 17th to October 1st. Problem with that is it's also the weekend Brothers of Legend comes out. It's also the day of. Yeah, same day that Brothers of Legend come out. Which I'm pretty sure, sh- which I think mom and pop stores are going to have issues with, because I, they'll have to pick, I'm pretty sure that most of them will have to pick one or the other. Right, right. You know, you know it's, which is disappointing. Um, I, per- I mean, me personally, I would just pick the 10, but that's me personally. I'm also... A little biased toward the ten because I just think the ten's nicer. The thing is, I really don't know that you like for sure have a choice here. Like, I, I think you just even the super smart Like, I think you get both of them. They're both so impactful. Brothers of Legend is going to impact new is going to introduce new cards, and the ten of memories is you have to have it. It's so important. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, just two of the reprint, three of the reprints that we're aware of in it are going to be major, with the Nightmare Unicorn, IP Masquerade reprint as alternate arts, and the Chamber Dragon Maid reprint. No, no, that's all, that's all the gold series. Oh, yeah, that is gold. What am I, I'm having a, I'm having a moment, I am sorry. No, that's no, okay, but the 10 of 20, the 10 of Ancient Memories, I mean, realistically, we can expect the entire Tribrigate archetype. We can exe- oh, yeah. expect Zeus. Uh-huh. We can expect Ice Dragon's Prisons, Triple Tactics Talent, Forbidden Droplet, should all schism. Uh, you could see the Eldritch cards, potentially. You could see... Um, what other... There are some other archetypes that were... Uh, plunders. You could see up rarities or down rarities on the Plunder deck. Oh, uh, oh. then they also did They also did pretty much uh, pretty much outright state that pretty much the entire at Ignister, de- at Ignister deck is going to be in there. Oh, and that's true. Yeah, so you'll also see at Ignister's in there with... Uh, either rarity upgrades or downgrades, depending. Exactly. So, so yeah, like yeah, I mean, both these products are going to be majorly, um, you know, major products, and they're released on the same day, which is unfortunate. Well, to be fair, there's a pretty good chance that the uh, Brothers of Legend gets pushed back again. Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't be, sur- I wouldn't be surprised if they just pushed it back to the next weekend. Right, just to spread them out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, you know, at this point, if they pushed it back literally just to give it a week, uh, spread out the releases a little bit, I'd be perfectly fine with that at this point. Yeah, I don't know that they've ever had two major, major releases hitting on the same day like this. 
I don't think they have, but but also you know because that's probably bad business by doing that. Right. I'm not a business major. I'm not 100 percent on that, but. Well, you're cutting into your own, um, not your own like like you. It's like you're cutting into your own sales, right? It's like it's the same reason that we don't release multiple podcasts on the same day, or is you know the same reason that a lot of YouTubers don't release multiple YouTube videos on the same day. Because you're taking away from, you know, what you're already doing. Yeah, you're opening a Starbucks across the street from your own Starbucks. Okay, to be fair, that is a that is a legitimate business practice. Yes, because yes, because in order to go across the street, you'll probably have to go you probably have to go down th- uh, two or three blocks. But even then, um, there was a study done about like the frequency of Starbucks and McDonald's and like. Why sometimes they can be within like two blocks of each other, and they, like they said that it actually makes financially like it makes sense for that to be like that. I don't know why quite exactly, but that, that that's what I had. I saw a study at one point that said something about that. Huh. Weird. Very. Uh. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, we now have the entire B Trooper support. Uh, B Trooper archetype. Yes, B-Trooper Scout Buggy was, in fact, not a singular card, even though as a singular card, he's pretty good. Yeah, so we've had these actually for like a week or two now. Yeah. But it's it's interesting that now we have the actual... Um, we know all the cards and all the effects, but we've been waiting to do it because we've just had so much other stuff going on. We've had interviews with people. It's had some interviews, stuff like that. And it's just like we haven't had a good time to be able to sit down and do like 30 minutes of card previews and card descriptions. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. And then, you know, just kind of talking about, uh, you know, possible pathways that can be taken with these cards. Right. So this is our right. chance to do a real breakdown on the archetype. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, I, that I've been really interested in that. I've just kind of looked up like all the like almost all the possible insects you can, you can toss in. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's talk about this a little bit. So. Uh, the first card that we have to talk about is obviously B Trooper Scout Buggy, which, as it turns out, no cap is a really good card. So it's a level three wind insect type effect. It's uh, this is just a reminder because we have we have talked about this before. One thousand attack, three hundred defense. You cannot special summon monsters except insect monsters. Rough. If this card is normal or special summoned, you can special summon one B Trooper Scout Buggy from your hand deck or graveyard, and you can only use this effect once per turn. So this is like an auto include three of. Because even if you have already used one and pulled out another from your deck, even if you top deck the third one, you can still pull one out of your graveyard. And the locking you into insect monsters is not a big deal because obviously the whole deck is going to be nothing but insects. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no. If it's a one card into the into the B Trooper rank two, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, on top of that, it can also get you into uh, Insector Pico Felinia. Um, the who is a link to Insector card, but her entire shtick is that she can equip insects to other insects out of the deck. Right. Um, or you could even make the new Shinobi insect Hagu uh, I can never say that Hagu Kuremino. Um, who's not great, but it's an option. Right. Right. Or you can even overlay uh, Link Two into Giga Brilliant, and then on, t- and then uh, or Cicada King, and then overlay on top of that the Digital Bug Rank Five. Because you're I locked mean, 
Yeah, I mean, it's all just more possibilities. Oh, yeah, and that's just off a of Bee Trooper Scout Buggy by himself. Yeah. Uh, let's see, next up, we have Bee Trooper Scale Bomber. Uh, fire Insect Level 3, 1,200 attack, 2,000 defense. Really beefy, actually, for a Level 3. Um, if an Insect Monster is normal or special summon to your field, except in the damage step, you can special summon this card from your hand. When a monster your opponent controls activates effect, quick effect, you can tribute one Insect Monster, destroy it. You can only use the, each effect of, B, of a Bee Trooper Scale Bomber once per turn. So, first off, just based off its base effect, it's a it's an Interrupt. Right. Just, you know, and it's not just tribute, it's a tribute any insect, not just itself. It doesn't it, you, you could very well, you know, tribute off one of your other insects, particularly uh, insect tokens, um, which is produced by a lot, actually a lot of insect cards. Yeah. You know, there are lots of possibilities. Also, it's an extender out of your hand when a insect monster is normal or special summoned. Which is awesome. Oh yeah, so like you could very easily like normal summon beach or scout drug buggy effect, special summon a new one, and then scale bomber comes down. Right, right. Boom, that's an instant link link three into actually the only insect link three is uh Seraphim Papillon. Uh who isn't terrible, I don't think. Let me double check. Let's see, Seraphim, Papillon. Let me see. Uh, two monsters with different names, 200 attacks for each counter on it. Uh, if it's Link Summon, place a counter on it for each insect uses Link material. Oh, here we go. Quick effect, remove the counter. <clears throat> Special Summon, one level four lower insect from your graveyard. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, however, the issue is that you can't do the... Uh, like you can't put the counters and then remove one to special summon immediately. You can only do one or the other per turn, which is annoying. Right. Eh. Oh well, but it's a possibility. It's a possibility. So the next monster is Bee Trooper Sting Lancer, which is a level seven wind insect effect monster. Twenty four hundred attack, eighteen hundred defense. During the main phase, quick effect, you can target one insect monster in your graveyard and one monster in your opponent's graveyard. Special summon this card from your hand, and if you do, place the targeted monsters on the bottom of the decks. If this card is normal or special summoned, you can add one Bee Trooper Speller Trap from your deck to your hand. You can only use each effective Bee Trooper Sting Lancer once per turn. Uh, so yeah, uh, first off, uh, let you recur one of your resources. Like, you could very well send back one of your own, uh, Scout Buggies, and then you still have another one hand. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, another possibility. And then, of course, your opponent loses something out of their graveyard, which could be kind of a meh, or it could be horrible for them, depending upon the deck. Well, the thing is, it's a quick effect. That, too. So, uh, you can, if your opponent activates Alpha Tribute Benten, you can, um, you can you activate this quick effect, and you can shuffle the Benten back into the deck, and their Benten won't get its effect. Exactly, and that, that's just one possibility. It's like DD uh, Crow, except almost kind of better, because instead of removing the card from play, it straight up shuffles it back into the deck. Against Tri-Brigade, this would be brutal. No, no, it doesn't shuffle it. It puts it on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, Um, which is not necessarily better or worse than just shuffling it. 
Um, but it also eliminates the chance of them drawing that exact card. Right. But that's about it. it, it it's more, it's not that much better. Now, as far as the searching for a bee trooper spell or trap, uh, right now we only know of one spell and one trap, and they're both pretty good. We'll get into those in a in a little bit. Yeah. So why, why don't we talk a little bit about the link two? Ah, yes. Bee trooper armor horn. Uh, link two. Uh, arrows are top and bottom. It just points up and down. Uh, it's made with two any two insects. You cannot special summon monsters except insect monsters. Oh boy, how horrible is that? You can only use each of the following effects of Bee Trooper Armor Horn once per turn. During your main phase, you can you can immediately after this effect resolves, normal summon an insect monster. If this card is in your graveyard, you can banish three other insects from your graveyard, special summon this card, but banish it when it leaves the field. Huh. So, first off, it's just a double summon. It is a hard effect, hard once per turn, but it is a double summon for insects. And it and can it recur itself once. Making uh, Link 3 and Link 4 plays ridiculously easy with this dude. Hey. Um, other than that, there's really not much to say about him. He's just, you know, he's just... It's just so his effect is just so simple, but it you know it just it's really easy to see how how you can easily abuse that into something great. Speaking of greats and link fours, you've got a giant bee trooper, invincible Atlantis. Just Atlas. Yes, Atlas. My bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm used to calling him Atlantis. I don't know why. <laughs> it's so funny. Probably because he's got a city on his back. That's got to be it. It's got to be the city on the back. Um, so it's a rank. It's a rank four. Uh, its arrows are top, bottom, bottom left, bottom right. Fantastic arrows, by the way. Um. Yeah, that's like of, that's Opelousa arrows. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's made up of two or more insect monsters. While this Link Summon card has three thousand or less attack, its base attack is three thousand. By the way. Your opponent cannot target this card with card effects. Also, it cannot be destroyed by your opponent's card effects. Um, you cannot special monsters like insect monsters. You can tribute an insect monster to activate one of these effects. Special summon a bee trooper monster from your deck, or have him gain 2,000 attack until the end of this turn. You can oh, only use... This is really good. Yeah, like... Okay, so first off, just uh, upon summoning him, he's already 3k. Can't be targeted or destroyed by your opponent's card effects. Which is really good. Also, only your opponent can target it. You can. Or, and then he turns into either an extender or a game ender. Exactly. Now, granted, if you turn, if, granted, if you make him the five k beat stick, he loses his protections. But at that point, you're going for game. So. Um, and also over, and like I said, he only requires two insects, so if you get two Link, two insect monsters, you got them. Yeah. Easy. Which, I mean, it's so easy to just crank out. Like, it, a Tribrigate deck is the perfect example of this just being a playable engine, because if you look at Shireg, it's two plus Tri-Beasts, so you can just make him, like, you can just, like, power up into a rank three and then just bloop with a mo with an effect monster in a rank i mean a link three it's so easy oh yeah uh something else you verbal do is like make a uh, armor horn 
right? Right. And then make uh, and then make uh, the Insector one effect to equip armor horn with a, with a, with a specific insect I'll talk about in a minute. And then you link and then you link them both off into uh, Invisible Atlantis. And then the effect of the equip insect, especially someone's new insect, he pulls out another bug troop, another uh, bee trooper. You then immediately have another, and then you can immediately activate the effect of armor horn, bring itself back, link four into a second uh, Invincible Atlas. Right. If you didn't activate the uh, first armor horn to uh, bring itself back. Right. You know, and that's just me thinking off the top of my head. It's got a lot of potential. I mean, that, that so that's that's all the monsters, but it's just there's so much potential. And then there's other insect monsters that blend perfectly with this. But let's go and do the spell in the trap, and then we'll do those. Oh yeah, I have a long list, very long list. Yeah, we've been talking about this for like over a week now. But uh, yeah. the next card is B Trooper Formation. It's a field spell card, which is amazing for the deck. Um, you can target one bee trooper monster in your graveyard. Special summon it, but it, ca it cannot attack this turn. Also, you lose life points equal to its original... Oh, no, it cannot attack this turn. Also, you lose life points equal to its original attack. If a face-up insect monster you control is destroyed by battle or card effect, you can special summon one bee trooper token, uh, which is an... Insect Earth level three, a thousand attack, a thousand defense. You can only use each effect of B Trooper formation once per turn. So basically, you activate it, and then once per turn, you can monster reborn any B Trooper monster from your graveyard. Granted, you lose life once equal to attack, but that's fine because you can go either the link four to end the game. You can go the link two. You can go and you can go a scout buggy and summon back another scout buggy from your graveyard. It's so good. Oh, you know, pay a thousand, get two free scout buggies. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good because if scout scout buggy is on normal or special summon, so the card is if you already, it's not even a dead draw like late in the game because it's not even that it starts; it's an extender. So good. It's, it's a starter and an extender. No, it's definitely not a starter because you have to already have a B trooper in your graveyard to use it. Um. Or you have to already be able to get a face-up insect monster on the field. Oh, yeah, 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 the field. So I thought you meant uh, Scout, Scout Buggy. I was like, no, Scout Buggy is an extender and a starter. Yeah, no, no, no. Scout Buggy is absolutely yeah. both. But this specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. is a... The field spell is an extender. Oh, yeah, a really good one. Uh, yeah. Particular, uh, particularly if uh, your face-up insect e-control is about a card effect, you get the token. You can use the token uh, with Scale Bomber to attribute it off or link it off into one of the other ones. Right. And the Invincible Atlas and the Armor Horn, they don't require two insect effect monsters. They just require two insect monsters. So you can use that token to link up into the uh, Invincible Atlas or anything. Also, something else I just noticed, this deck is just straight up immune to Contact C. Yeah, because they're all insects. Yeah, exactly. Uh, lastly, we have a Counter Trap. B Trooper... Oh. I and Sting. Just a thought. If you have B Trooper Formation in your hand, and another in any other insect in your hand, any other insect, and then if you have a Scout Buggy Engrave, which that setup is not like impossible to conceive, right? Because like like let's say you have an insect in your hand and a Scout Buggy Engrave, and then you just top deck the field spell. 
You can activate the field spell. Um, special the scout buggy from grave. Uh, special a second scout buggy from your grave deck hand, wherever. Then you can link two into the armor horn. Then you can activate the armor horn's effect to special to normal summon the second um, the the extra insect from your hand. And because like at that point you haven't even roll summoned yet. Right. I mean, it, it potentially could let you just climb immediately into a link four. Yeah. Well, yeah. But like, let's say for sake of argument, you normal you normal summon scout buggy effect solemn strike. Just for sake of argument. And you activate formation, special you special about the B Troop Scout Buggy, effect special out the new one, make armor horn, normal summon your other insect monster. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. I mean it just it lets the deck extend so it's such a it's a superior extender. It's so good. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, so the counter trap, B Trooper Flying Sting. Uh, when your opponent activates a monster effect while you control a B Trooper, B -trooper monster, Gate the activation, and if you do, destroy it. During the end phase, if this card is in your graveyard, and you, while you control an insect monster with 3,000 or more attack, you can banish an insect monster from your graveyard to reset Bee Trooper Flying Sting. You can only use one, 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 bee, yeah, one Bee Trooper Flying Sting effect for a turn, and only once that turn. Right. Um. So first off, this could stop... Okay, so let's say you set it, pass, comes back to you, and you start going, it can stop your opponent's hand traps. But you'll kind of the only issue is that you'll be kind of getting in this loop to where you're to where you where it's only live on your turn or your opponent's turn, but not both, unless you go unless you like set it and go your entire next turn without activating it. Right. Which is kind of meh, but the fact that it's an infant a near infinitely recurring, uh, counter trap that negate that negates any monster effect, pretty good. Um, I could see this easily being a one or a two of. Two yeah. of at most. I would say one because it's searchable with the uh, Sting Lancer. Yeah, I think that. I think a good. I think it would be a good one of. Oh yeah. Okay, so now as far as other cards for the deck, like I said, I have a long list. So first off, uh, we have the entire Battle Wasp archetype. Oh um, yeah, this is this is so. Easily splashable in the B Trooper deck. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, their entire shtick, uh, the Battle Wasps, is flooding the field from hand with tuners and non-tuners, and then synchro summoning, then synchroing into. Let's see, we got a level five, a level six, a level eight, and a level twelve. Um, this deck can hit, can hit uh six and twelve. No problem, because all because uh. Uh, let's see, Scale Bomber and Scout Buggy are both level 6. Both level 3, my bad, for a total of 6. Uh, and the Sting Lancer is level 7. So they can actually hit level 10 up pretty easily as well. Yeah. Uh, let's see, and that's just, yeah, so the entire Battle Wasps, uh, let's see, Digital Bug Registrider. Was that good? That's what I'm pulling up. Okay. Here we go. Uh, cannot be used to exceed material for an exceed summon except of an insect monster. When you normal summon a level 3 insect monster, you can special summon this card from your hand. Then you can make both this card and that monster level 5 or 7. 
So he just immediately turns any uh, and turns uh, scout buggy into a level f- into a level five or seven uh, exe- uh, insect exceed, which is what the digital bugs are all about. Um, if this card is special summoned from the hand, you can change the battle position of insect monster you control, uh, and then an Nixie monster that was summoned using this card on the field as material gains a thousand attack and defense. The whole point is um, you can special uh, you can special summon this card from your hand, right? And you don't have to make uh you, you don't have to do the med- level modulation that's optional so really it's just another level three insect extender out of hand let's see next up is uh good old classic uh Koikimaru beetle of course one second pulling them up uh during each of your insects destroy this card unless uh, you send an Iron Core Kolikimaru from your hand to the graveyard or reveal an insect in your hand. <clears throat> now, here's the point. If a light or dark monster is special summon in attack position, change to defense position. It's not as good as Draco, but it's a level 4 insect with 1900 attack, which is pretty big, um, that keeps your opponent from being able to declare an attack that turn, the, the turn they summon a light or a dark monster. All right. Not the best, but not it could the worst. It could be a tech card in certain matchups, like in the Dragon Link matchup. Exactly. Okay, let's see. Next one is Resonance Insect. Um, if this card is sent from the field to the graveyard, key term, sent from field to grave. Doesn't matter how. You can add a level 5 or higher insect-type monster from deck to hand. If this card is banished, you can send an insect-type monster from deck to graveyard except itself. So, you make... Uh, Insector Pycophilinia, the um, the rank two, the link two, and her effect is that you can equip, uh, is that you target one of your other insects and you equip with an insect monster from your deck. So you equip Armor Horn with Resonant Insect, uh, Link Four into Atlas, effective Resonant Insect because it was sent from field to grave to search for uh, to search to your hand, um. The uh, Sting Lancer, the bit, the level seven. Right. So yeah, that's that's just one of the things that can it can uh search. You can also search. Uh... Actually, that's the only thing I can think of that you can search with it. Well, you could search uh, Insect Queen or Metamorphize Insect Queen, but it's not that great. Primarily, primarily, it's just another way for you to search out the level seven. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, even having those ways to extend and search out other cards, I mean, it it all helps. Yeah, um, let's see. Next up, we got the Primitive Butterfly, uh, level 5. If you control no monsters, you can special summon this card from your hand. That's all I care about, is it's an insect that can you special summon out of your hand. Um, once per turn, you can increase the level of all insect-type monsters you currently control by 1. Again, it's just a... And also, it's a searchable target off of... Uh, off of... Uh, Resonance Insect. So if your opponent nibs you, uh, with uh, and then you get Resonant Insect effect off, you can search for Primitive Butterfly to just immediately special summon it, and then just keep going. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, do you have any more? Oh, yeah. Um, there's there's uh, one other one I'll mention. Uh, well, real quick. Metamor- Metamorphize Insect Queen. It's really easy to make with... Uh, is that Cocoon of Vulture Evolution or? Yes, Cocoon of Vulture Evolution with uh, either Insector Picofolinia or uh, Parasite Paranoid. 
So pick a Flinnit, you can equip uh, something with the Resident Insect, and then immediately use um, a Cocoon of Ultra Evolution to make to pull out the Ultimate Insect, Metamorphize Insect Queen, but then also get the search off of Resonance Insect. Right. Or, or you can use Parasite Paranoid, equip it to your opponent's monster, it's now an insect, and then Cocoon of Ultra Evolution that monster away. And get your uh, metamorph- Metamorphosize Insect. Right. Um, Multiplication of Ants is another card that's very powerful in this deck. It's very old. Very old. Um, we're talking that. That was a Weevil card. So you trip an insect, and then you get two ant tokens. Interesting. So you can, so you can tribute a B Trooper token and get two, uh, and turn one token into two. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Danger Mothman is a possibility for this. Uh, the good old classic Pinch Hopper is meh. It's a thing. Uh, Verdant Sanctuary, Final Gesture, Bugamore. Sanctuary, make sure you run Terraforming if you run that card. Exactly. Um, that being said... Wait, wait, do you you realize that that's not a field spell? What, Verdant Sanctuary? Yeah. Yeah, That was, it sounds like one. It is absolutely not a field spell. It sounds so much like a field spell, though, that there was an episode of the Progression series where Gage ran to Verdant Sanctuary and ran Terraforming. And it wasn't a field spell. And he got he still gets roasted for it to this day. So now anytime the card Verdant Sanctuary comes up, everybody says, Hey, don't forget about if you run Verdant Sanctuary, run terraforming. I didn't know that. You got me. I also made this list like a like a week ago. Yeah, and haven't looked at the cards since. Pretty much. Uh so Verdant Sanctuary is a new spell. That when a face up insect monster should buy battle or card effect, not just any just a face up insect monster. Its controller can add an insect monster with the same level as destroyed monster from their deck to their hand. It's just more, you know, recurability. Something right. else I did, I also went through to see if there were any instant fusion targets that are insect. There is or, a grand total what about of... Ready, what about ready fusion targets? On, there's a grand total of one insect fusion. Okay. Quagar Hercules, who is a level 6 fusion. He is not an instant target fusion. Uh, he's not an instant fusion target, instant target fusion, instant fusion target, but he is a ready fusion target because he's level because he, that that can get level sixes. Is he a vanilla? He's a vanilla. Nice. Um, let's see other silly cards you can make. You can make you can actually uh, make underground arachnid. Interesting. Oh yeah. Uh, classic dark uh synchro from back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps up the B Trooper support, though, huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like so that, that's just some that's just some stuff I've <clears throat> I've gotten from literally just going onto the database itself and just typing in insect search and just flipping through the pages. Right, right. Um, so, um, I think now we can go ahead and we're gonna roll a quick ad break before we get into our uh, interview with Dylan, and then when we come back from the interview with Dylan, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up the show. Sound good? Oh yeah, sounds like a plan. All right, go ahead. Hey everyone, and welcome in to this interview. Here we are here with Dylan from Team Dark Arm Dealings. What up? Well, Dylan, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what happened today and what you did today? Oh, we had the uh, tournament in Shreveport at Steel Fox Games. They had a Dawn of Majesty sneak peek. 
slash return to organized play trophy tournament. Right. Really won one of those trophies. Lost out in top eight. You did better than I did, bud. Um, it was a good time, though. Perfect. So we wanted to uh, take a few minutes to talk with Dylan about today's tournament. Um, Caleb was not able to make it to the tournament today. So this is just me and Dylan talking. Uh, we got back very, very late. We're recording right after the tournament, after we get back, uh, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so it'll just be me and Dylan on this interview. But uh, I did want to take and try to get our thoughts as fresh as possible. Um, that was the biggest reason I wanted to record tonight. So the total tournament was six rounds of Swiss and then yep. cut to top eight. Okay, and then first, second, and third each get sneak peek play mats as well as a uh, the return to organized play trophy. Yep, yep. So we each went in with a little bit different philosophies. I went in with uh, the Zodiac Tri Brigade, a list similar to Raphael Nevin's list from the YCS, but with my own little text here and there. And you went in with what? I went in with Drytron. Um... I think it's the best deck. I know not everybody thinks that, you know, but I think it's the best deck. <laughs> I think you're wrong, but that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's the results today would say that I am wrong. So. <laughs> I think top eight today. I don't. I don't have exact numbers, but I know there was three Drytron. Um, I know was there one, any Tri Brigade? Yeah, yeah. There was. I think two Tri Brigade. I think it was. Three Drytron, two Tri Brigade, one Prank Kids, one Phantom Whoa. Knights. Three Drytron and two Tri Brigade? I think so. And then one Phantom Knights, <laughs> one Prank. Either one or two Prank Kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, Phantom, Knights Knight, Phantom Knights guy got me. Right. Got me. In Swiss, right? Yeah, in Swiss. Okay, so you, so you lost to Phantom Knights in Swiss, and then your top cut, you went yeah. to top eight, and what happened there? They just... Uh... Oh, top eight? Um, yeah, what you lost in top eight. Yeah, I lost in top eight to Prank Kids. Uh, game one, he had it. And in game two, um, I actually just really punted that game hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I had I opened up like perfect. Um, Insta Fusion, Pot of Prosperity, and uh, one Drive on name. Right. And I proceed to pot before I activate. Instant uh, Fusion. Instant Fusion. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was Instant a, Fusion, the thing that's there literally to be a hand yeah. trap negator. Crazy. Um, literally to call be the, the other call by the grave. Doesn't yeah. use it. So, um, that happened. You know what, though? It happens to the best of us. At least your day was a whole heck of a lot better than mine. Yeah, I'm still getting half a box, so. Yeah, there you go. Um, I did not do as well. Uh, I won round one against Prank Kids and then proceeded to get just get stomped on for the rest of the day. Uh, I had losses to Drytron, which that guy ended up getting second over also. I don't feel bad about that one. I had a really bad misplay that maybe changes the outcome of that game. But you live and you learn. It's just you move on from it. Uh, round three, I lost to Plunder Patrol of all things. I had no idea what was going on. I played that dude uh, last weekend at the tournament. You played him today? Yeah, I played him today too. But I, I, since I played him at the tournament, Rustin, he, I, he wasn't getting me at all this time. Right. So I didn't know yeah. what the deck did, and I learned, but I, I, I still got it then too. But 
Yeah, but on top of that, I also bricked. Oh. I had no. I didn't have a starter game one, and we had a twenty minute game one. I mean, dude, he. The reason he he won one game last weekend for me was because he opened anti spell rivalry, and I was like, oh. all right, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I yeah, cannot play. Yeah, it was pretty rough. I mean, I I literally opened no no hand traps or interruptions and no starter. It was like I was going second, and I opened like I O. Called by one Nerval, a strike. You know, like just yeah. cards that are great when you go first. Yeah. But it, realistically, I didn't have a whole whole much of a shot there. Uh, round four, I played against Dragonlink and I tied, um, which I, I don't know. I feel like blames to be shared on both sides there. I beat him game one. Pretty handedly, pretty. I say pretty quickly. In about fifteen minutes, we had twenty five minutes left on the clock going into game two, and we kind of went into a grind game. And then all of a sudden, it was like everything just slowed down significantly. Like I was trying to play at a good pace, but it just seemed like every time I looked over at the clock, it was like three more minutes were gone, four more minutes were gone, you know. Yeah. And then I'm ahead in life by six hundred, heading into the final turn, and I, I get my I get the turn back with like a minute left. And there's just not really a good way for me to advance the game state. Mm. And then, like, he starts doing a couple of things on my turn with heretic seal bounces and summons. I'm trying to ask him what's going on. And he's, like, rushing me all of a sudden because it's my turn. And he huh. wants he wants to get to my turn. But that way he wants to get back to his turn. That way he can do 600 more damage. But Yeah, that was the craziest thing for me, actually. Uh, that's, like, I have, I personally have really bad anxiety. Right. And, um, so I was playing against the found that guy and you know he's, he's a cool guy i'm not trying to say anything against him but i you know um when somebody rushes you like yeah that, no it, and puts it, the, it really puts the nails on like well no it's like you know the thing was it's like with mine it was more of we were at 31 minutes when he told me to hurry up and it's like bro i took oh, no, five we minutes at, on my turn you took four minutes on your turn you have a dragoon and an anti-spell up i'm trying to figure out how to play through this right. <laughs> you know yeah yeah. Yeah. And it just put the tilt on for me a little bit. Not because I was angry at him, but just because I had my, my anxiety started to, came on and started to spiral, so. Right. Yeah. You know. I start. I dude, somebody just starts like, come on, come on, come on. Like, literally saying, come on, come on, let's, come on, come on, hurry up and do your turn. Yeah. Like, that, it puts, it really tightens the screws on me and really cranks up the anxiety. That was the only time today that I felt actually anxious. Uh, normally I get pretty bad tournament anxiety, yeah. but I I will say the one big improvement today to come from today was I was able to sit down at table one for the first time since I've ever started playing Yu-Gi-Oh. This is the most competitive I've ever been in the game, but to sit down at table one today, I mean, at, at my first round and just go to shuffling and playing, talking to my opponent and go to start my turn and... My hands were not physically shaking, which might sound kind of wild to like some people listening. Like, if you're really competitive and you go to like a lot of events, I think just to say, I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. but that's a very common thing. Like people like starting out going to terms like this. I promise you, if even if they say they're not, they were just a little bit. I promise you, like, right? They were just a little bit nervous. Yeah, it's 
it's crazy for me to think like how much more comfortable I've gotten playing the game. Yeah. So, uh, that was round four, round five. I played against strikers. I beat him in game one, and he was like, he was like, honestly, dude, I just tried to drop last round, and they didn't drop me. So he said, do you want to? He's like, I'm just gonna sign the match flip, and you got it, and we'll just choose some trading. I'm like, all right, I like trading. That's that's cool. That's fun. Dude, last round I played against Paleo Frog. We're both two two one. <laughs> Game one, I opened Ghost Bell. Or hold on, I'll say it like this: Droplet, Ghost Bell, Droplet, Solemn Strike, Droplet, three Droplet against Paleo Frog, and I was going first. So, in my opinion, Droplet I'm, sounds pretty good against Paleo Frog. Not in triplicate with no starters. Because you could chain block every single one of their traps. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. The problem is, they have to have monsters on board. That's true, so they have to have the monsters first. Right. Yeah. And when you're going first, what do? What and then, do? And then what you go do? second, and it's like, okay, I feel like I sided adequately here. Yeah. I open Ash, Ash, Imperm. Harpy's Feather Duster, Nerval. He goes first. The first thing he does... No, he goes second. I literally just set Imperm Pass. I'm like, well, at least I have the Duster for the crackback. You know, he's playing Paleo 4. He's going to, like, set 5. You know what does he do? Activate Numeron Network. Numeron Calling. Make make 3 of the 1,000 guys. Hit me for 3k. Go into Megaclops. How do I... I have to have a Zodiac in hand out Megaclops. Yeah. It's literally the only thing I can do. I did not win that match. I don't expect you to <laughs> at this point. Yeah, it it was it was bad. <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. So, what are your takeaways from this tournament? Because I know that we had different experiences, mm-hmm. but I do know. That we probably have some similar takeaways because we were still playing in the same environment. Well, I can tell you one. Um, look, I know everybody likes to go outside after their rounds. I, I vape. I vape. So, but, dude, if they smoking cigarettes, I ain't, I'm not staying near <laughs> them again, bro, because I can't get this smell out my nose. <laughs> But no, I'm serious. You gotta, you gotta find out where to stand. You gotta stand up a yeah, You gotta like, yeah, just not go in that group and just move. Yeah, yeah, just stand at the next. We'll uh, talk to you inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, uh, I think the there's that. Note. I think there's that group or like two groups at every locals. Yeah. After every round, they go outside and they catch either a cigarette or they vape or something. Like at every locals. Yeah, but no, on a serious note though. Um, I think my biggest takeaway was how open the format really is. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know what? I don't know that's entirely true because I really think that we're in a place where a lot of different decks can compete. And I think as long as the master rules are set up the way they are, that will mostly be true unless there's just an overpowering deck. But in this exact format, I think there's three decks yeah. That are just far and away the best decks. They're all three tier one. And everything after that is tier two. But the thing is, right now tier two is still playable and competitive. Yeah. By the way, uh, sorry about my like, sniffling right now. You know. Oh, dude. It, <laughs> it's allergy season. It gets yeah, to the best no, it's of been, 
destroying me. <laughs> it's all right. I, if for those that don't know, we're in Louisiana. We're not in a place where, like, there's no allergens or anything in the air. Like, yeah. all we have is just nonstop trees and stuff. Pollen everywhere. If you walk outside and your car has been like under a tree for a little bit and it's just covered in yellow. Yeah. <laughs> Cars is like, like up north people just deal with snow for months out of the year. We deal with nine months of pollen a year. <laughs> so, but I, I do think that there's three decks that are just better right now. I, th- I think that's Drytron, uh, Tri Brigade, and yeah. Prank Kids. And I don't really know that you can debate it. Yeah, no, it's those. Those are obviously the top three. Um, unfortunately, there isn't a control deck to take over the prank kid spot right now. Like I said before, I personally think Drytron's just the best deck. It has the it has the biggest advantage engine. This deck this deck goes plus five on first turn. Right. It's 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 ridiculous, and I could do everything again next turn. Right. Yeah. The issue to me with Drytron is, and I know you and I have talked about this extensively yeah. but the the dry trons issues are not even a hundred percent the deck itself dry trons issues a lot of times are uh sure the deck has a certain amount of brickiness to it which i think a lot of that can be alleviated in deck building uh especially when you're looking at a deck where uh, we just recorded your deck profile, and I, I just happened to remember the numbers. You're running a 42-card main deck. Mm-hmm. In that main deck, you're running basically 17 names, because you're running 11 Drytron Monsters, you're running uh, 3 Nova, 3 Emergency, and then you're running 3 Prosperity, too, to help you find Dig for More. That's essentially 20 out of 42 cards mm-hmm. that are for names or digging for names. Whereas you have other people that are not running prosperities and oh well they're gonna cut a couple of the names out here and there and you know maybe cut down this card and that card try to fit in a dragoon package and they're just not playing optimal builds of the deck i think if you're playing an optimal build of the drytron deck that's your first fix is that's how you fix the brickiness yeah it's just harder because you don't have like people don't like to you know, and you know, I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're right. Cut going. into your thing. It's just like I said, the deck profile is like, dude. There's no reason to plan for a losing game set. You're literally putting they're putting Dragoon Engine in there because if they get drolled, and it's like, but what if they don't droll you? And, and now you now you drew a red eyes in your hand, and now you got to make a Dragoon instead of a Mascarena. And the Herald of the Ultimateness is already a discard and negate anything. Plus special summon negate special summons also. Right. And it's like, well, that's kind of redundant, and it doesn't really make sense. It loses to the same thing. At least with Masquerade, the board's more versatile, you know? Right, right. Um, so, that's the first thing is the deck building. You can solve some of the issues with the deck in the deck building process. The second issue with the deck comes in with the sideboard against the deck. So, yeah. Nibiru's, which I, I know you say Nibiru's not an issue because the good Drytron players play around Nibiru, but that's the third issue and we're going to get there alone. Nibiru does hit the deck if you know where to do it. Um, if, if the deck is already in an awkward position so, through something like a droll, Nibiru can be brutal. 
Um, a majority of my hands, yeah. So it's got to be combined with something. I I completely agree with that specifically. If it's combined with something, yes, it can be brutal. But like, um, a majority of my hands, I can do orange light Evo. Like I can I can literally just search that big end of my combo and then right. just do my combo still. Right, right. Um, and just have the orange light Evo or orange light whatever fairy I drew. Right. Um, so, but. I- the bigger problem card is Droll, right? So, it depends. Uh, you can play around it. Um, I actually only got Drolled once today. Actually, I got Drolled twice. I got Drolled twice. No wonder you got top eight. You only got Drolled twice <laughs> well, all day. Well, the ones... Dude, every hand trap that got... I, I had the answer for every hand trap. Because I... Just search orange light at the beginning of your combo. <laughs> what do you mean? No wonder... You just you're just better. Every hand trap today, pretty mm-hmm. much, except for Imperm, uh-huh. got orange light because that's what I search it. What Jeez. do you? dude. I mean, that's what I'm saying though. It's like right. if you you can play the deck. Sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes there are times where you cannot do that, but like a majority of the time you can. You can just search the orange light at the beginning of your combo. That's when you activate Intense Fusion. <laughs> oh yeah, or or you, know. or you just open with instant fusion and just not use it. Yeah, and just yeah, yeah, just don't use instant fusion. Yeah, no, you just don't. Use but it. that brings me to the third point about the deck. The deck is really difficult to pilot optimally. Oh yeah. I mean, a four or five minute turn is a pretty good pace. Yeah, no. I don't. I, I play. I can like if it wasn't for the fact that. I have to ask, okay, every time. Right. I could probably just build the board in two minutes. Right. Yeah. It's interesting to me to see hmm, a player that doesn't know how to make an optimal board is going to struggle to end on the Beatrice, Mascarena, Link Karibo, and Harold of Ultimate Nose. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like the the basic board because it is. That's like that's your the standard best board. board. That's the standard best board. Yeah. But a player that's not playing optimally, especially through hand traps, you can do that through multiple hand traps. Yeah. A player that does not know how to play the deck optimally is not going to be able to do that. I'll tell you what. What it really takes a skill though, is going second with the deck. That's where like it really kind of right. decides who's actually good with the deck and who's mm-hmm. not. Because then you're playing like a. You're playing, like, with understanding of what resources you can just throw out there first. Right, right. And, like, it's a lot different. Um, That's what I love about the deck, though, is there's so many different avenues you can take going second and just play through anything. But you have to know how to play the deck to do it. So, would you say that... What is there any particular matchup that you think the deck, like, super struggles against? Um... If you want to be honest with you, I, I really feel like it's Found Knights. I know that sounds, really? that sounds dumb, but like, Found Knights just don't have a central focus point. They just kind of like have this one they line are. of play, and they just, after that one line of play, they just play. Yeah. They just keep playing. And it's like, I guess most decks, you just crack their board, make your board, and win. But not that deck. They just keep going. Yeah. That's like, the cool part about that deck, though, is the recursiveness, right? Yeah, no, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, and then they can side, they can side anti spell and stuff. And um, anti spell dragoon is really sucky. 
Um, but yeah. So the next, the next deck of the format. We, that's a lot about drive time. The next deck of the format to talk about is Tri Brigade. Um, this is a deck that you see a couple of different lists. You see the Rescue Cat list with the uh, Cyframe Gear package, the Gamma package, things like that. Um, maybe not running the Zodiacs. Um, I think it's pretty well accepted now that that's probably not the best build of the yeah, deck. I definitely think Raphael Nevin has the, uh, the best list for the deck. Yeah, I I don't agree with absolutely everything in the list. Um, of course, I really think that the things I don't agree with, that is a regional difference. It makes a lot more sense in the EU, for example, to be playing more Phantasmes, because it's my understanding from talks with European players like Tatsum that the EU is more combo-centric and more combo-heavy, yeah. whereas North America is a little bit more control-oriented. And because of that combo over there... It makes Phantasma a better card. Oh, I always heard that the U.S. was more combo. You know, that was what I've always heard too. But in, in talks that I've had with European players, they seem to they seem to the consensus over there is that uh, combo is more prevalent. Oh. I mean, when you look at the lists that top over there, I mean, they had uh, I think thirteen of the top thirty-two was Tri Brigade. You have Madolce getting top four, and that's combo. You have uh, more Drytron got top over there. I mean, you just you don't see much control. Yeah. So, but the other thing that is interesting to me is that Nevin's list is still running the Zodiac package, even though there's no Dryden't. Um, and obviously, the zoos are still versatile without Dryden't because you can still either do Barrage into Thoroughblade and go into like a Zeus play, or you can go. Wrap here, dump Thoroughblade, um, and go to Chalkanine, and then go into Ferrajit and just brrr, and it gets you into yeah. your Tri Brigade engine. This is like I learned though, is like when they played the um, the Zodiac package. Yeah. Uh, Ghost Spell in the main. Like I played two Ghost Spell in my main deck. Playing testing against you actually so made me realize good against Chalkanine. Like, if you can't make Ferrajit with that once normal summon, like. You have to have Karaz. You plus... have to have insane instant extenders in your yeah. hand. You have you to have extenders. Have to. In your hand. Yeah, no, you have to have a Karaz plus like a Beast Warrior. And I mean, that's not that hard, but it puts you on having that the two card combo, which is something that you usually search. So right, yeah. If you don't hard open Karaz plus the a Tri Beast, it can be pretty brutal if that gets shut down. Which uh, I had one point today where that that exact play happened. And I happened to have the Karis. Did Patty do it? Because um, I was literally talking to him about it before the tournament. Uh, no, I don't think it was. Okay, okay. I think uh, it was somebody else. Sorry, I love the same. Now I'm trying to decide if it was. Now I'm trying to remember if it was or not. But I had the <laughs> extender in hand. I love the same. Sorry, if I brought that upon you. <laughs> no, it's okay. But I, I did have the extender in hand. I had the Karis plus the extra name. Yeah. No, it happened twice, because one time today I didn't have it. And I just passed on a Chalkanine. Yeah. And the other time I did have it. But, it's fine, it happens. Um, I think that... I think that the Zodiac package is the better the better version. Yeah, I mean, Zeus, more streamlined. It does what it's supposed to do. That's all you need to do. Right. So, the third deck of the format... 
is oh, and for everybody playing the uh, Draw Brigade Pat deck, don't play Zephyros. The card sucks. <laughs> I you know, like that's one of those things where it's like we've come to a point in Yu-Gi-Oh where I like Zephyros, but the thing is, I like Zephyros in decks that get to Zephyros. Right. Not decks that rely on just drawing it randomly. Yeah. It and, sucks. <laughs> um, like, I was playing Zephyros in Luna Light Orcus, but you would send Zephyros from the deck. Right. Um, maybe, so. maybe maybe if you have Foolish in your deck. Yeah, I mean, better. if you have Foolish, it's a little bit different. Because it gives you options with Foolish. and But still, like, still at all, I don't know. It's just like... Unless you're super hard doing that play that Trevor does with the Omen first turn. Right. Which you yeah. have to run three Omen, basically. Yeah, you have to run three Omen to do that. Which I, I think it's probably just best to go with like the Streamline build and just do what the deck does. Right. Um, I think I agree. I, after I've played the deck a lot. I, I might try out the uh, Foolish Burial thing now that I think about it. But after, after playing the deck like a bunch, a bunch, I really do think that... Zephyros sucks. <laughs> uh, the next deck to talk about is obviously Prank Kids. So, Prank Kids is really interesting to me because the the engine itself is good, I guess. Being able to nuke your field is cool. Yeah. It's got a strong prank. It's got a strong drive tri brigade matchup. And but let's be honest here: the real advantage to Prank Kids is you can run like fifteen hand traps. Let's be real here. It's Abyss Dweller. Abyss Dweller also pretty good. Yeah, Abyss Dwellers. Oh, they yeah, insane. they can make a they can hard make Abyss Dweller or hard make totally awesome. Yeah. No, Abyss Dweller's ridiculous. Like Totally Awesome pretty good too. Yeah. Abyss Dweller. Abyss Dweller's brutal. I think Abyss Dweller's like just like on a different level. Yeah. Toad just like Dude, I had somebody make three toads on me in one game earlier today. Listen, I've had a day. <laughs> three toads. I was I played against Paleo Frog. Oh, they made it in one turn? Or no, there's no way. No, no, one game. Oh, but the same. <laughs> no, no, no. I it was like a back and forth game, like okay. game one. But it will. The thing with prank kids, like yeah, sure, Dweller's awesome. Dweller's killer. But like. How do I say it? The deck can play 15 hand traps. Yeah. I mean, the, de- the deck plays 15 starters. 16 if you run terraforming. And then you play a few extenders, and then the rest is just hand traps. Yeah. You know, 15 to 18 hand traps. I mean, when you have a deck that can run 3 Ash, 3 Droll, 3 Ghost Bell, 3 Twister... You know, just whatever you want. Yeah. In the main. And then sideboard even heavier. I'm not going to... I will not ever again say a deck is easy to play. But the versatility that you get, having such a strong uh, sideboard and the, like, the ability to side against everything cannot be understated. It makes a difference. Yeah. It's a strong defensive deck. It's not control, yeah. but it's it plays in a defensive. It's the only thing I like about Drivetron is so hard to side. Like I've literally come up with the formula. It has to be five or six. Right. It has to be. It can't be more. It can't be less. Unless you take out other hand traps. It's like that are good in the matchup. Right. 
But those are definitely the three best decks of the format. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, you have other decks that are competitive, like we mentioned. You have the Phantom Knights, which we, we've we very clearly seen multiple weekends in a row. Like, that deck is competitive, if you know what's going on. Yeah, and with the F-Zero, you top of Future Dragon... I feel like we're gonna find when people explore that deck more, it's gonna be it's gonna come up. You know, I heard I heard the the guy that was playing Phantom Knights. He played it this weekend and he played it last weekend at a tournament. We went to both of them. Yep. Somebody asked him about the topic F Zero Draco Future, and he said he won't play it because it it just plays way too hard into Nibiru. I mean that that kind of already does that. Like anyway. He seemed to have have it figured out how to play around it. Um, they can play through it. They can't play oh, okay. around it. Oh, okay, I see. Like, I mean, you can literally just wait until they put Verte on board and then the beer room. Right. Oh, were you telling me to continue? Yeah, it's okay. My bad. I was. I'm bad. I'm tired, dude. Um. I mean, I understand. It's one thirty in the morning. But uh, no, he uh. He can just play through it. Uh, you can legit just wait till they just do everything until they put Verte on board, and then you gotta do it then. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just have such. Maybe I'm just playing against the deck wrong. And I'm just activating tantrips at the wrong times, but that's such a hard time against the deck. My experience with the deck has pretty soundly been, um, strike. Rusty. If you strike Rusty, it's pretty rough. Oh yeah, I believe it. I mean, they can't. The card can't be brought back with the Fog Blades anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, I. Uh, what, what are some other decks that you think might be super competitive this format? Um. Virtual Worlds seemed good. The guy I played against, he didn't make this craziest board. He played a, made a, M seven. Getting back like a GG, he used GG that turn, so he got back Lulu Shen Shen? He didn't make Shen Shen, he made Crystal Wing, M7. That was it. Okay. And I potted, saw Empire. 2 it. 1 or 2 0? Oh? Um, 2 0. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So, the virtual world, what about Altergeist? Oh man, that was the scariest thing, dude. I saw across that dude. Yeah, he actually, he actually. So for game one, I didn't know he was playing. He just drew a bunch of hand traps with pots. Wow. And I was just like, okay, I don't know what the hell this dude's playing. But and you beat him. I beat him. I beat him game one. And then game two, I figured I just went Alter Geist. I was like, yo, what is this? And I was so scared because like I've been saying this for so long now, but Alter Geist has like a very good position in the meta right now. There's it has so many ways to counter everything and it the decks can't do anything about it. Right. And um like we we had the tournament of champions in Minute Hall and like I was telling Sonny like two weeks before the tournament of champions, like, dude, if I had Ultra Guys I'd bring that there. And because uh, it's just like I said, it has such a good matchup against everything. Yeah, I think that in the more I think about it, I I don't know the ins and outs of Altergeist. I don't know a ton about the matchup. But I do know that they have bounces, they have negates. I mean, they they theoretically have great matchups against Prank Kids, against Drytron, against Tri Brigade. I mean, 
That's pretty good. They're very they're a very versatile control deck. They can play the the floodgatey style and the also like um, interruption style play of a control deck. They can do both of those very well. Right. Um, and they build advantage in a very strange way. Yeah. So, the... I'm trying to think. There was something else I wanted to ask you about today, and... Good lord, I can't remember what it was. It is so late. <laughs> yeah, um... Was there anything else in particular that you wanted to talk about? Uh... What I want to talk about is our sponsor, ETB Games. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I say our because ETB Games not only sponsors the podcast, ETB Games also sponsors Team Dark Arm Dealing. Well, not necessarily all of it. It sponsors me and Trevor. That's it. Yeah. So, everybody, be sure to check out ETB Games. There is a link to their website in our description below. Anybody in the texas louisiana mississippi arkansas region uh if you want to come we do events every month you can always feel free to ask me in our discord or our twitter about those events um they are very centrally located in louisiana um like i've said they're basically three to four hours from anything so no matter where you live you can get there easily um the other thing is i wanted to say please everybody please join our discord server you can get all those information and all those updates and talk to us and duel with us and everything in our server. Yeah. Um, takeaways from today. Takeaways from today. My takeaway t- is I'm fixing to grind harder than a skateboard at the X Games. My takeaway is Drytron's best deck. I don't know, man. I think Drytron has... <laughs> No, like, okay. All right, you know what? Let's do this. My takeaway is... I think Drytron has the highest power ceiling. Mm-hmm. It is also the highest skill ceiling deck. Mm-hmm. You have to play it optimally. Yeah. And that makes the deck really difficult. Yeah. The reason that Tri-Brigade is, in but, my opinion, the best deck in the format. Okay. I see the but, face you're making. But if the deck is played optimally... The issue is okay, oh, we went over <laughs> these issues. The, yes, issues can be solved in deck building as well as gameplay. Yeah. But the deck, even though you, even though you can try to solve the brickiness by playing seventeen or twenty out of forty-two cards as non-brick cards, even if you want to have, no matter what you do, you always brick. <laughs> you still brick sometimes. Because you need multiple names to get going. For anybody that doesn't know, this conversation between me and Sonny is is like a... It has it, been going on for weeks. It's been going on. He wants to... He, I understand that Tri-Brigade does better than Tri-Tron in tournaments. I get it. I so just you, don't... You, you, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's cut, hey, I mean, let's cut I half of that sentence. Tri-Brigade is better than Dry tron No, no, no. That's what she said. I understand that Tri-Brigade does better than Dry-Tron in tournaments because the representation is probably higher. Also, um, like you said, it is an easier deck to play. Um, I'm not saying it's a like a helmet deck. I'm saying that yes, <laughs> it is less. It's harder to misplay with the deck. Um, but you know, you know what? I think the real reason that it shows up more in tournaments. What's up? I think that the deck is as good and high and high power level as Drytron is. Uh, 
Tri-Brigade is more consistent. I think it's really hard to argue that. I'm not saying Drytron is inconsistent. I'm saying Tri-Brigade is very consistent. I think if it wasn't for Appaloosa, Tri-Brigade wouldn't win a tournament. <laughs> okay, if Appaloosa didn't exist, if Tri-Brigade Revolt didn't exist, yeah. if Bear Brom didn't... I mean, well, no, no, if no, no, all no, no, these no. cards didn't exist, you're no, right. No, no, that no, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like... I think Appaloosa is just a really good card right now. Put no, back yeah, up with yeah. traps, and you make it, the deck makes it really consistent. I think yeah. the consistency of being able to make Appaloosa is what makes that deck good. Yeah. But I also think that Drytron can do that better. Like, I, I don't think I actually bricked once today. I think I made Herald of Arclight once. Okay, but what I'm saying is, over the course of seven rounds, you didn't really brick. Yeah. But when you get... When you get into a bigger YCS level tournament where you're playing 11 rounds of Swiss plus 5 rounds in top cut, potentially. I mean, when you're playing 15 and 16 rounds, the inconsistencies of Drytron will appear multiple times. You're talking about twice as many rounds as you played today, potentially. So, So if you make top 32, you're talking about... Potentially twice as many rounds as what was played today, you know. I mean, I get it. That's true, but that can happen with it. It happens with any deck. And the representation numbers for uh, Tri-Brigade are higher, which is the other reason that Tri-Brigade shows out in force and well, yeah, no, tops of course, tournaments. Of course. But, like, of course, the thing is, that one issue is going to happen with every deck. Even Orcus bricked. Like, it was, it's, it's ridiculous to think about because they played, like... Six one-card starters. Right. Like, one-card starters. Like, three math, Armageddon Knight, Greffer, Rhoda. Um, was Foolish Barrel, did that do it? Uh, Foolish Barrel was not a starter, actually. It didn't do the full combo. It's kind of an extender. It could get you going on the path, but you needed more mm-hmm. to make it really actually. You need another body. Yeah? Yeah, you just need another body with it. Fair enough. I I, did, I wasn't playing at the time, so I don't know exactly how yeah. Orcus worked. Um, but like even that deck bricked, that deck lost to Lancia. Like it, <laughs> it didn't lose to it. It would just pass turn. Like it couldn't do anything through Lancia. Right. And like even at that, it was still like insane. You know, like it it bricked. It lost to a hand trap in the side deck, and I didn't necessarily lose, but. It, it it turn skipped from a hand trap, and it was still like eventually the best deck in the format. Right. You know, and it, I don't think once it got figured out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I don't think. Uh, I, I get I get what you're saying. I just don't I don't know if that really. Yeah, I think over the course of twelve to fifteen rounds, the consistency is just it can't be understated. I think because the thing is, every deck's have consistency issues. But yes, to an extent, I, it also cannot be understated that yes, it absolutely takes skillful play to play Yu-Gi-Oh. But it is pretty helpful to have. Um, to, you got to be lucky. There, there's a certain measure of luck. That comes into, um, oh, I just happen to have called by this game. I mean, no, no, and I'm not saying that Yu-Gi-Oh is luck based. It's it's 100 percent a skill based game in my opinion. Uh, a player that's 
incredibly skillful, multiple ICS tops, so, is going to beat a player like me probably like 90 to plus percent of the time. But, like, when you to talk about going through like 16 rounds, like, there's a certain amount of luck involved. A um, non-zero amount. Yeah, I think when you look at that side of the thing, I've come up with this whole, like, theorem or whatever you want to call it, theory about, like... Theorio. Theorio. About, like, how competitive, competitiveness and skill translates into this game. And really, when you think about it, it's about how much variance there is versus how many... Like, just random variants versus how much you control that goes on. Like, you just how many games you just lose to variants versus, like, things that you could have controlled. Right. And a lot of the reasons that, like, that come up are things that you could have controlled versus just, oh, just variants. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's so much more that it's almost, it's really hard to say that it's a luck-based game. I'm not, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's luck-based. Yeah, no, no. I think it's very much a skill-based game. I, I think it... Um, I think to say that it's a luck-based game is an ignorant statement. And, and I don't mean yeah. that to demean anybody. I absolutely don't. Um, but I think anybody who thinks that it's a luck-based game needs to sit down, take a step back, look at it, look at how much effort goes into playing the game at a high level... And really reevaluate because the game is so skill intensive, more so than most hobbies. Yeah, I mean, it takes hundreds of hours of gameplay, realistically, to get to like an adequate skill level to where you can understand what's going on yeah, a lot of sure. the time. And that's not even to talk about understanding the meta, making good meta calls, and this, that, and the other. That's just like to play the game yeah and understand how the rules work yeah it uh, definitely takes a long time to uh, get used to this kind of stuff um or to become good at the game it took me a long time some people don't take it long but I was I've been playing since 2015 I didn't get my first top to like 2019 right yeah I got I everybody knows our story by now we stopped in 2014 and Started up again in, uh, I don't know, 2020, I guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we stopped in 2014, and we started up again right after organized play had been shut down. Which is crazy to think about. Every person that I've told, we were like, we came back after they shut down organized play, like, why would you do that? Yeah, why are you coming back now? Yeah, it was... I'm not going to say it was a mistake. A lot of good has come. We've got this podcast. We've made a ton of friends. It's been. It's really been a, a wonderful, a blessing for me. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. Um, this is like my first taste of like real... I think you got... Because I had got the game when, when uh, the crush card happened um right right and then uh i got back in because i was in magic while crush car was going because arena was like amazing um but i got back in right around the time that you got back in um i got back in before rise of the duelist came out 
Okay, so you got back in like way before me. Toon Chaos. Yeah, you still got back in way before me. Yeah, yeah. Toon Chaos is when I got back in. Yeah, I'm I'm so unhappy. That was the newest set at the time. I'm so unhappy I missed that set. <laughs> Toon Chaos. Yes. Toon Chaos wasn't bad. It, it was do. sold out when I started oh, playing the game again. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That that was because that was when they introduced collectors rares and everybody was freaking out. Yeah. So, but. Okay, well, you know what? I was about to say the set wasn't that impactful, but it gave us uh, the first big wave of um, that and Rise of the Duelist, which came out like a month apart from each other, gave us the entire Infernoble Knight package, basically. And we were able to... That's when, you know, Infernoble Knights went, went tier one. Yeah. So. I think I might have messed up the audio somewhere right there when I was getting up to get one of those over there. It happens. I just happens. let you know ahead of time. That's all right. Well, I think that'll do it, though, for today's interview. Um, unless you have anything else you want to add in there, Dylan? I'm really tired. Shout out Team Dark Arm Dillings. Shout out Trevor. Uh, wish you could have came, brother, but we know. Yeah, every episode when I shout out our uh, sister channel on YouTube, Team Dark Arm Dealings, this is who I'm talking about. Uh, Dylan is one of the main creators on that channel. Uh, they are another uh, cr- another group of creators at our locals, and we yeah. we try to work together. We're really just like a me and a, we're a like one friends. big locals family, and we just yeah. happen to start multiple. Uh, platforms at the same time. Show you what we plan, what we getting successful with, and uh, show you what other people are getting successful with at the tournaments we go to. So that's really all it is right now. All right. Well, Dylan, thank you for coming on. Thanks for telling us about your top eight experience today. And everybody, have a good night or day, whatever. I don't know. Whenever you listen, whatever have a good one of those. It is right now. I don't know. I just want to go to sleep. All right. Night. Night. All right. Well, thank you again so much for Dil- to Dylan for coming on this evening. Um, we're glad that we were able to record, get that insight. We're glad we were able to hear all about the Dawn of Majesty sneak peek event as well as the tournament results. Um, it's really insightful to get meta analysis from players that are like playing constantly. So. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. My favorite part is the part about is that one part with the thing and where he talks about the thing. Ah uh, yes, the the part with the things and the place and the people. You, you can't forget yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, you know with that with that Yu-Gi-Oh card. I'm so glad that all three of us were there for that interview. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> thank you again, everyone, for listening. Thank you, thank you all so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, we want to ask you that you uh, we're gonna we're gonna run through a series of things we ask of you, our listeners. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Top Cut Podcast, and please, please, please be sure to join our Discord. We are in here every day, all day long. We're always talking with people. There's no special, you know, you have to be a Patreon. No, nothing like that. Just come in and talk to us, hang out with us. Um, I am, after the results of that tournament, I am really looking to grind a lot more and get better at the game. So I'm always looking for remote duels. Um, we're always available and we're building a very fun, great little community. So, um, and thank you to all the people that have already joined. It means the world to us to be able to just come in and have fun. Uh, we also ask that you, um, be sure if you're on Apple podcasts to leave us a rating and a review. 
It helps our numbers a lot. It really means a lot to us. Uh, thank you again to our sponsor, ETB Games. They help us out a ton. It's, it means a lot that uh, we can both help out our local shop as well as we can get more people to uh, shop there. And uh, it gives us the ability to uh, do a little bit more inside of this game that we love. So thank you again to them. Uh, Caleb, was there anything else that I missed? Nope, you pretty much got everything down pretty good. Dang, I'm good like that. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you again. Everybody, have a wonderful afternoon, and we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Take care, everybody. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com